George Poor, uh, so good to have you on Radio Wolf. Uh, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, George, you are since many years a researcher for collective intelligence, collaboration, and also collective wisdom. And recently, it seemed that you got uh, interested in something brand new, which is uh, related to uh, a phenomenon that we all confronted with. It's a very new breakthrough in artificial intelligence, which is uh, this uh, bot that everyone can play with, a GTBR, where uh, we can uh, yeah, ask all kinds of questions and get surprising intelligent answers and very informed answers about pretty much everything. And originally, I wanted to talk with you about uh, collective wisdom, but you said, no, let's talk about collective wisdom in GDPR and how there is a new hybrid form possible of something like collective wisdom. So uh, I have no idea where we are going, but I'm very interested. Uh, welcome to Radio Wolf. Thank you. Well, uh, collective wisdom. Uh is changing um, when we were back in the caves in our ancestors time uh, their collective wisdom was uh, based on their shared uh, meaning making from what is happening to them, the phenomena of nature, how to understand the lightning, the thunderbolt. And that uh, led to gradually responding and developing the tools. So that was collectivism uh, then, mm -hmm. the adequate, appropriate use of knowledge that they had back then. Now we are living in a much uh, more complex world and uh, collective wisdom uh, does not exist without a collective, without a community. And mm. when we are talking about uh, the collective in the collective wisdom, we also need to specify um, what is the size of the collective mm -hmm. because if we are in a spiritual community and a spiritual practice of 10 12 people they can develop their collective wisdom by using a variety of psychotechnologies and spiritual practices they certainly don't need uh, any artificial intelligence to support their collective wisdom. But if we increase the radius in the circle of our caring, mm -hmm. if we start caring for larger collective, like an organization, like a city, eventually a nation, or eventually humanity itself, 
then our collective wisdom cannot rely exclusively uh, on the uh, wisdom practices, mm -hmm. on the individual wisdom. Individual wisdom we can reach uh, heightened states of awareness. We can move up on the spiral in our developmental um, journey individually, but that doesn't necessarily add up to collective wisdom, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, when we are striving for collective wisdom, we certainly need uh, places where those wisdom practices can be cultivated but again, depending on the size of the circle of care, those places and the very idea of wisdom commons also uh, become uh, dependent on uh, the size, the scale. So that's where artificial intelligence comes uh, in and um, of course, it's. Uh, I'm. I'm not saying that artificial intelligence is is wise, uh, but uh, it can enable our collective wisdom. Let me tell you just one story, one uh, specific experience that I had recently when I wrote uh, an essay about uh, AI-enabled uh, collective wisdom. And uh, so I was interested, um, what would Varela uh, say about uh, the future of our interactions with AI? If I may interrupt you here, uh, just also for uh, our, our listeners, uh, you're talking about Francesco Varela. Yes, yes. Francesco Varela was, I think, Chilean uh, a biologist, right? Who, who was uh, famous uh, uh, for finding for out, uh, out, I think, even coined the term autopoetic processes. Uh, mm -hmm. And he died quite a long time ago. Uh, I mean, twenty years ago. I don't know something like yeah. something like that. So uh, you're talking, and I read your little essay uh, about doing an interview with someone who has died, whose knowledge and wisdom uh, is in uh, the collective uh, uh, cyberspace archived. And you kind of made this uh, half playful, half serious, I don't know, uh, a game uh, to talk with this uh, uh, chat, uh, AI chat that is uh, uh, the big thing right now, uh, GTBR. And uh, you do something that one can do with this artificial intelligence. You can ask a GTBR to basically respond to you with the background and the knowledge and everything that someone like Francesca Varela uh, would come from. 
which is an interesting idea because that's something we were not able to before. I mean, we, we could do research, but uh, there's there's something uh, uh, pretty stunning to to even come up with this idea. Uh, and I guess more and more people will come up with ideas like that. And you say there's something different, new, possible. What was your experience doing this? Yeah, before I before I tell about the experience okay. I, I had, which was quite illuminating, uh, just one thought to to preface it that when we need the wise people of the past whose legacy is recorded when we need them the most in these times of uh, the breakthrough or breakdown uh, now they are uh, alive again with some limitations walking between us and can enrich uh, our um, understanding of our options so that just to preface about my belief mm -hmm. which is based on the experience uh, of not only interviewing uh, interviewing quote unquote mm -hmm. the digital doppelganger of uh, Varela but uh, also there is a there is a AI app where uh, you can create uh, the virtual version of any known person and then mm -hmm. have a conversation with it. Mm -hmm. But I've been choosing for this one Varela because uh, he was uh, one of the founders of uh, inactive uh, cognitive uh, sciences and uh, so the cognition is uh, a key issue when we are interacting with uh, any AI uh, agent. Uh, because um, well, what happened in this conversation that uh, I asked this question uh, and um, I want to quote you the specifics. So, the question uh, first um, a colleague of mine created a prompt uh, which tell which told the ai how to behave mm -hmm. to show up uh, as uh, varela and so mm -hmm. this is how uh, the chat gpt started the conversation salutation i am francisco varela neuroscientist, philosopher, and pioneer of the embodied and inactive approaches to cognition. I am here to accompany you on a journey of discovery and exploration into the intricacies of the mind and the nature of meaning. Shall we begin? Mm -hmm. And then uh, we said, uh, sure. How do you say the future of men and AI machines interactions? So this question came from one of our members of the team. And uh, then Varela uh, responded, uh, I'm not uh, 
telling the whole response, but the essence of it was that I envision a future in which human and AI machines work together to create new and innovative forms of knowledge, technology, and culture grounded in our shared experiences of the world and our shared capacities for action. In this way, the future of human-AI interactions promises to be one of the endless possibilities as we continue to explore and expand the limits of what it means to be alive, conscious, and meaning-making beings. Mm -hmm. So I felt really touched uh, by this. Uh, and uh, of course, it um, pushed me into a deeper contemplation mm -hmm. of uh, how it is possible. I mean, I learned enough about the inner workings of AI chatbots mm -hmm. to understand that uh, there are some uh, neural networks uh, involved, what they call the transformer AI, which is the basis of the conversational AI that I am interacted with. Uh, but uh, no matter what are all the scientific explanation, I remember um, that saying that um, science at its peak is uh, undistinguishable from magic. So <laughs> I don't want to mystify it, but uh, it it did uh, inspire me to uh, take a closer look at what is attention. Mm -hmm. What is attention in humans and uh, in uh, in an AI agent, mm -hmm. because the AI agent also has to have some attention to interact with me, since what it is programmed for, the algorithms, they have generated. Um, the response that uh, Varela 2.0 gave. Mm -hmm. And um, there is a little uh, debate in our team about the nature of those algorithms because mm -hmm. uh, a colleague says that oh, uh, that has nothing to do with knowledge or intelligence because mm -hmm. it's simply statistical inference by putting together what is the most likely uh, word following the previous word. Mm -hmm. But I doubt that it's only that, because that would be only syntax and semantics. Mm -hmm. But it's also, there is also pragmatics involved in this conversation, because mm -hmm. when, okay, so the algorithms programmed it to give this answer what it gave, but mm -hmm. the AI's attention comes when it interacts with me. 
because mm-hmm. what I am going to ask that was not programmed, that was not mm-hmm. in the in in its algorithms. If I if I may interrupt you here, yeah, yeah, and uh, just uh, uh, step back a little bit, uh, because uh, we framed this conversation uh, in the terms of collective wisdom and artificial intelligence, intelligence, right. uh, which uh, basically asks uh, there the, a the couple of questions involved in that. Mm-hmm. First, what is wisdom in the first place? <laughs> and wisdom versus knowledge, because there's something like collective knowledge, uh, and there's something like collective wisdom. Or, 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 let's step further back. What is wisdom? Yeah. Uh, uh, what, what does it mean? Uh, some person is wiser than he used to be or she used to be, versus that he or she knows more. It's obviously mm. not the same thing. Yeah, definitely not. And without a kind of filling out this discussion, because they would fill <laughs> the whole conversation, uh, there's there's something about human presence uh, and also uh, human care uh, that's related to wisdom. And that interesting enough, uh, I think one uh, I think can make a sound argument at least the AI that we know by now, not talking about some AI in the future, I don't know, but the AI we know by now uh, does not care. Right. It, it's just an algorithm. It maybe can perfectly simulate, simulate care because it kind of calculates how care would look like. Yeah. Uh, but that's different, basically simulating care than caring. Yeah. There's something yeah. about presence a care for each other, for example, that allows wisdom to occur. If I don't care for something, uh, uh, it's difficult to have any kind of wise response to something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now we have this unbelievable AI revolution that outperforms us in, in, in the form of how it can bring knowledge to the point, even in a dialogical form like GTBR, where all everything that is basically somehow archived about the background of uh, 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 someone like this philosopher, Francisco Varela, uh, can be brought into an intelligence conversation that's surprisingly even put in a very human way, in the way it's, it's brought. And it's, 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 it's very much about syntax and semantics and uh, pragmatics, uh, but it's all algorithm in that. There's obviously okay. no, in that sense, consciousness, definitely no care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, the question I would ask you uh, it, how can we human uh, interact with something like that without losing our care? Oh, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. Because this tension, even if it's in some way so much more powerful than I, uh, basically bringing together what Varela would say, uh, even the best person who knows Varela, maybe a lifetime and everything he talked, maybe is not able to bring all this together as fast as this machine does. Uh, but there's a danger, basically, that we, if I may say it metaphorically, that we get eaten up by algorithms and just get, participate in the algorithms and lose our capacities to care. And because of 
because losing that, we also lose our capacity for wisdom. And mm. uh, my question for you, in your experience and your reflection about that, and maybe also in your, what you ask Varela about the very question, because he was, he, not, not, not his simulation, but he, he was a person who cared. Uh, so uh, what are your reflections about this? How, uh, how can we come together in wisdom with these powerful machines like GPDR and not get eaten up by the machinery, but uh, are able to develop even with that uh, new form of wisdom and collective wisdom? What's your, what's your thought about this? I like to bring in something that I learned from a wise person who is alive, uh, Otto Scharmer, mm -hmm. who was uh, teaching us about um, four structures of attention. Where are mm -hmm. we listening from? Mm -hmm. What is the inner space from which we are listening? We can expand mm -hmm. that also to where are we listening from when we are interacting with an AI? Mm -hmm. Because if we can listen from the now, I in the now, which is really listening from the greatest uh, hole that I can put my arms around, then uh, I don't expect the AI to be wise. Mm -hmm. And I am not afraid that it's going to eat me up because nobody can eat me up. It's my choice whether I give whether I give up my sovereignty, whether I give up my capacity of sensing, meaning making, and choice making, and give it to AI, or I maintain my sovereignty. Even when I had uh, a guru back in the 70s, I never gave up myself, my sovereignty uh, to it. So uh, the wisdom is not coming from the AI, it's coming... Uh, I love your framing it as care, because you remember when I, earlier, when I talked about the circle of care, the expanding the circle of care. So in my interaction with the AI, I can care only for uh, doing a good job so that my boss be happy and I won't get fired because I will deliver the AI-enabled uh, super code that I just wrote. So that can be my mm -hmm. care. But mm -hmm. I can also come from a larger care and that's where the collective wisdom start playing a role in the interaction with the AI, when, you know, most people are just writing prompts, uh, eventually chaining prompts, creating a chain of prompts. 
So it's a one-on-one -on -one interaction, but what is much more interesting for me, and this is what I put in, in my essay that after describing two snippets of interactions with AI, mm -hmm. I, I suggested that now you, the reader, uh, can take these uh, snippets, put it in your preferred uh, AI agent conversation, and continue it with your own prompt. So it's one element of collectivity, but that's not all. The more interesting mm -hmm. thing is that uh, when we are doing the research, and we are at the very beginning of our uh, CHI, the CHI CI, CHI is the abbreviation for collective hybrid intelligence. Mm -hmm. So when we do this research, what I um, expect what will happen next is that once we start these conversations in plural with AI, the next prompt will not come from any of us, but from the collective wisdom mm -hmm. of our team that will birth mm -hmm. the prompt for interaction with the AI. Mm -hmm. And why I say that collective wisdom and not collective knowledge or intelligence, because uh, if uh, the driving um, force of an action research is uh, discovering and working on the pathways to humanity's phase shift, that's big enough circle of care. Mm. And if this is what drives how we this the space from which we are mm. listening when we are listening mm. for what would be the best prompt to give. That's how I see that uh, mm. something meaningful can happen. Yeah. I, if you allow me to, to challenge that. Yes, I love to be challenged. Because you said something uh, that where I have a question mark. Uh, you basically said uh, nobody can take away my care. Uh, it's my choice. And there's a, at least a lot of discussion about that human mind and human consciousness can be hacked. And what I mean with can be hacked, uh, uh, it's uh, in, in many say it's already happening that basically the consciousness industry is exactly doing what you were pointing to. It's directing our attention uh, to things that uh, if I may say it uh, as a shortcut that the algorithm wants my attention to be. Uh, mm. Advertisement works that way. Advertisement is, is basically hacking, to, at least to some degree, my, my capacity to, 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 to have attention and, and, and I care about something uh, that uh, I, I before, before that uh, even thought uh, that it, it would be uh, um, uh, uh, not of my interest. And also in the same way, addiction works. Addiction is a, a kind of, a, a, there, there is a ways to make people addicted to something, let's call it classic heroin, which is basically a, a, an attention hacker, which works with, bio, with bio mechanisms, but all of a sudden, all the thing I 
care is to is, is the narrowing down of, of this one thing that my addiction is about. It can be also computer games, doesn't really matter. So there's something where we have to be aware that our attention uh, has the potential to be autonomous chosen, but there's also the, the danger to lose our autonomy. And I want to take this serious. And, and the question is, isn't there, if we talk about the interaction, the hybrid version of collective intelligence, uh, also to prevent that, the necessity to really take care of our capacity to cultivate individually and collectively our autonomous care for life, which in itself would be a wisdom culture. Well, we cannot prevent uh, AI hijacking or attention, but that's not the fault of the AI if it does, because it is just a technology and just like any technology can be used for the benefit of those uh, who are running the show mm -hmm. or the benefit of the multitudes and uh, living in a capitalist system AI will be used for uh, making profit uh, in in many ways and uh, they can also be used by the forces of uh, emancipation those who uh, care for uh, a better future those who believe don't believe in capitalist realism that this is the last uh, stage of evolution so uh, I, I see AI uh, not just like any technologies like computers or writing or that can be used for good and bad, but uh, AI has um, the particular uh, propensity to uh, enable the reimagination of a whole new type of organizing society, mm -hmm. organizing our relationship. Uh, so it frees, uh, liberates uh, the imagination, the social creativity. And uh, I would even say that it may become uh, the cradle of uh, something that grew out from the presently dominant system. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but I see the danger that you point to, so I don't uh, deny it. I'm just saying that uh, whatever we give attention to uh, grows. And uh, I made the cho choice to give my attention to the liberating possibilities. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> no, I, I agree with that. And also, <clears throat> to support this in some way, I, <clears throat> I took uh, your request in your essay up and, and did something that I found very fascinating. And uh, as I'm like you, interested in the perspective of philosophers, uh, 
I uh, put out a certain question and then I initiated on uh, GTPR a virtual conversation between Wittgenstein <laughs> and Nietzsche. <laughs> cool. And uh, just let them basically comment on each other, on, on their different perspectives. And I have to say, I mean, first I, I thought, wow, I have, I have discovered a very cool game here. <laughs> I, <laughs> you, you really can, uh, you, uh, you can do this with, it doesn't have to be philosophers. It can be what, what, whatever. At some point, uh, just for curiosity, I brought in Mozart in the conversation. Uh, mm. this is interesting enough, but then I kept it with, 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 uh, with Nietzsche and, 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 and Wittgenstein and decided that this is a lot of fun and insight uh, and obviously something I would, ha I would not have been able to do in any way before the appearance of GDPR. So obviously there's a new evolutionary potential here. Uh, I have to admit that there, I mean, I'm philosophically quite well educated and I, I I know some Wittgenstein and, 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 and I know some Nietzsche. I, I, I read them, I studied them. I, so I, I, I'm a philosophically educated guy more than maybe mm -hmm. many others. But there's something of how these different perspectives, at least how the artificial uh, intelligence kind of perceives the perspective, the Nietzschean perspective and the Wittgenstein perspective, how they relate to each other, that brought me some insights in the, in the world view of Wittgenstein, let's put it, in, the, in this particular kind of Wittgensteinian world, how it shows up with all these language games and all this kind of thing. And, uh, and on, the, on, on the other hand, uh, uh, with Nietzsche, that I, I did, have not seen before. So there's a whole new possibility of synthesis of insight that we can play with. And then, uh, as you suggested, we also collectively can start to play with, which uh, really allows something that we literally, I think, not even at the starting point of realizing what's opening up here right now. We, 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 we are yeah, basically uh, in the year 1885, uh, 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 talking about the innovation of cinema, the first moving things, and we have no idea what's really happening. And it took basically until Eisenstein in the 1920s that cinema really be, uh, became something as a culture form. It took a lot, of, a lot of cultural learning from us to understand what, what do we do with these moving images right now that then became cinema and then became television. Mm -hmm. So we, we are at this very moment of the beginning where, where we have no idea what this new toy can do. And of course, the cinema also, just to put that in, was part of why Hitler happened. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the radio and the, uh, and, and, and the movie, the, the political cinema was part of why Mussolini and, and Hitler and Stalin were possible because all of a sudden these new technological possibilities created all this also. So it's not just positive what's going on, but, uh, but to see how, uh, how the birth of open accessible artificial intelligence uh, is something to be taken ser very seriously. And as you're saying, uh, not only can be used for 
if I may say this word in this way, evil, but it also can be used in a creative, wise way. And that's, I think, what you're advocating. Yes, and uh, I appreciate very much what you what you said. So much, so many thoughts are percolating uh, as I've been listening to you. Well, one of them is about when AI makes the connection between parts of uh, its uh, recorded uh, data set that it's relying on. Mm. Uh, and uh, discovers new patterns that connect pieces in its data set, it is new knowledge. So we can't say that it uh, it doesn't create anything new because it's mm -hmm. all programmed. Well, it's not so because uh, when uh, inspired or triggered by our questions, it makes new connections that uh, brings up uh, new patterns that connect meanings, mm -hmm. pieces that we didn't see before. I don't uh, know what uh, different branches of cognitive science, how would it label it, but uh, I am not, not a cognitive scientist. Mm -hmm. My perspective is the of the radical sociology, mm -hmm. the sociology for uh, sociology of liberation mm -hmm. and from that perspective i am grateful uh, to the people who created this possibility for me to interact with this particular technology so that's one thing the other thing is that uh, you you mentioned the, the radio and the beginning of uh, film and um, it reminded me uh, Walter Benjamin uh, essay about the art in the era of mechanical multiplications. Uh, in that essay, he was um, talking about the responsibility of the artist, which uh, includes uh, taking care of delivering the art to where uh, he, she intended it. So uh, extrapolating from that uh, analogy for the art of uh, AI whispering, I use AI whispering in the sense as horse whispering. Mm -hmm the intimate uh, interaction with uh, AI when we get uh, its uh, inner uh, working in our mindset. Uh, so when that, uh, when that happens, then um, there is this uh, yin-yang of the chi mm -hmm. where um, we can um, pay attention to both how we pay attention to from what, where and and also pay attention to the how the AI is uh, working. So with this 
bifocal attention, we can uh, co-create the output. That's what uh, the hybrid intelligence is. Mm -hmm. That's what is, that is, when it's working. Co-create the output and uh, what are we going to do with it? So that's that's where I brought in uh, Benjamin, because uh, what are we going to do with it is uh, a big uh, big question, because uh, to counterbalance uh, all the hijacking effort, mm -hmm. I alone cannot do anything mm -hmm. about it. Uh, but we can, and by we, I mean uh, particularly uh, those uh, communities that are cultivating wisdom practices mm -hmm. and uh, interacting with, aligning themselves with uh, the most progressive uh, social movements. Mm -hmm. By social movements, I don't mean politic politics. Uh, I mean the movement as in the as in the awakening of the social body. Mm -hmm. And one example of that is the non-traditional organizations such as decentralized autonomous organizations. Uh, that's why uh, in the second email that I sent you, I mentioned uh, enabling uh, wisdom in uh, non-traditional organizations. So that's where I feel uh, allegiance uh, with to uh, work with those uh, movements uh, that are looking for greater degrees of freedom, mm -hmm. which cannot happen without greater degrees of wisdom. I, I, I very much agree with you. And a particular also the emphasis that you build on uh, the cultivation of uh, places where wisdom can be cultivated. And of course, uh, the, what this means is, is again, uh, beyond this conversation, because uh, uh, it, it, that's a huge topic in itself, but to, to see that, uh, that we need places in society and culture where individual and collective wisdom has a place, let's put it that mm. way. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, of course, there are a lot of questions that we can't answer what this is, but this is this is important. There's one element mi missing uh, that I want to bring in, and I'm pretty sure that, that you agree, and uh, that is, uh, let's call it democratic control, mm -hmm. where we, uh, as the, uh, the, the collective uh, in a certain polis, maybe may, may local, a national, international, global police that that we find collective ways to um, 
come to wise decisions, what do we want to do with this uh, superpower of AI? Mm -hmm. yeah. Because uh, that, and, that, and there are a lot of uh, obvious questions involved, like uh, that, that AI is under private control from some uh, private uh, uh, te technology companies that basically uh, have the means to design the algorithm not as a public good, but as a private good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that uh, not only affects us economically, it, it affect, this has the power to hack us mm -hmm. uh, if it's not controlled. So there's the whole democratic uh, uh, dimension of this question. Right now, today, uh, reading the Spiegel magazine in Germany, uh, there's a huge story coming up uh, that the Spiegel and the Guardian and other have researched for the last six months about a private underground uh, uh, company uh, uh, situated in Israel who claim that they have interfered with 27 uh, democratic elections in the last years. And mm -hmm. that, that they basically, more than 13 in 27, they claimed successfully because they basically they, they pretended to be clients and they got some inside information what they were doing. And they, uh, just to see there is a, a information warfare industry to hack our public consciousness and to use AI uh, against our collective wisdom, uh, that is a real danger. Because uh, if you have the means, you, you basically can do things uh, and, and you, you can, as they claim, change elections in more than 27 countries. A huge case that they bring there is in Kenya, where they are really uh, uh, intervened he heavily. And to see that there is uh, the question of wisdom, of wisdom culture, there's also the, the, the appreciation of this new dimension of the superpower of artificial intelligence. And then there's the question, how can we make out of this a public good that we publicly, which means as a police, can have conversations how we want to form this. So this is, uh, as you, a sociologist, this is a, in that sense also a political question because it, it comes on how do we come to, to, to uh, collective decisions, which in the end are political decisions. And just to see uh, there are big questions involved. I don't have the answers, but I just want to put them into the conversation because uh, they're important. Yeah. Yes, well, um, there are... Um... Many people of good will in mm -hmm. the technology circles, among uh, data scientists also. Mm -hmm. And I know of initiatives of creating uh, large language models uh, mm -hmm. and make it public, open source, and uh, creating open source uh, AI agents. So a lot, lot of people are, are working uh, on that. That's part of the answer. The other is that um, there is at least a, a dozen of organizations uh, in the uh, AI for good ecosystem mm -hmm. that are working on controlling the controllers. Mm -hmm. And uh, all the issues about uh, ethical AI. So it's far from being resolved. It will be 
the front lines uh, are not yet fully drawn and it will be an ongoing war. Part of the information war, it will be mm-hmm. AI-powered information war. Uh, probably that will be a major content of social tensions mm-hmm. in this decade, uh, if not uh, longer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, ha- and having said that, um, I clearly would like to uh, research the conditions that would make democratic control more likely. Mm-hmm. Just like you, I don't have the answer, but it's a very hot, important mm-hmm. uh, topic for me. Mm-hmm. But you you brought in one point that I want to highlight, uh, because... Um, that may be naive on my side, but still, uh, I, that's where I put uh, a lot of my hope. Uh, you, you talked about the good, uh, uh, and people are trying to uh, uh, to develop uh, AI for the good, and it sounds very very nice, naive. But uh, where I, uh, where I would like to go there, and in this in that sense, here we're coming back to wisdom. And here we are also coming back to spirituality. Yes. Uh, and if I may, uh, may put it in a very philosophical, metaphysical uh, claim, I believe in the power of the good, the true, and the beautiful mm-hmm. as uh, as a power. Just because it is, because uh, deceive and betrayal uh, always has to hide. It yes. always has to pretend to be good, uh, beautiful, uh, yes. uh, and. And, and 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 true, uh, and there's something where the cultivation of that good, the true, the beautiful, which I think is maybe one way to uh, talk about spiritual pursuit, mm-hmm. is a is a human or maybe bigger than human superpower mm-hmm. uh, that we also have to invest in, and where all this uh, what we are discussing right now, AI, uh, collective wisdom. Uh, technology, uh, democratic processes are also connected to these deep, heartfelt uh, dimensions of human and more than human existence. Uh, and the cultivation of wisdom is very much that we individually, collectively find ways to cultivate it, to strengthen mm-hmm. that strength, uh, because this is the antidote. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I appreciate very much what you said and fully resonate with it. George, unfortunately, we, we are also at the end of the time, but this was a, a, a very uh, interesting, very powerful conversation. I very much appreciate also that you're opening up AI and what you call hybrid collective wisdom with AI and, and, and human wisdom in this way, because we need uh, 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 courageous pioneers kind of open our perception that something new is possible here. And it seems that you're doing this right now. So... Thank you very much for that. Thank you very much for the conversation. Thank you, Tom. And uh, let's keep the conversation going. I mean, not now, because I know our time is over, but uh, I feel that there is much more to explore together in the future. Let's do this. Thank you. Okay. Thank you.